This is the Bigger Pockets Podcast. What's going on, everyone? This is David Green, your host of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast. Here, as always, with my co-host and good friend, Rob Abasolo. Rob, how are you doing today? Very good, my friend. Very good. Uh, my wife gets back from Paris today. I've been single dadding it up, watching both of my kids for the last five days. So I am excited to sleep again. I'm uh, very excited. I can imagine. And thank you for joining me on today's show with no sleep, but tons of information and a good time. That's right. Yeah. We have a great show planned for everyone here today. We're going to be talking to Kim Hopkins, who is a commercial real estate investor. (gasps) Cue the scary music. Who is making deals work today in this market. Yes, that's right. In 2023. Today, we're going to be hearing about a deal that Kim is working on. What types of commercial real estate deals pencil today? The risks associated with this strategy and how not to get yourself into thy pickle. All that and more. This is a killer show. Let's get to Kim. Kim, welcome to the show. Hey, Rob. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad to have you. So if I understand it correctly, you've been investing in real estate for 10 years now and you own 15 properties through the real estate business you and your husband run together. A few quick questions to get our listeners a sense of who you are as an investor. First one here, how many markets are you in? Let's see here. We have uh, Oregon, Washington, Utah, Texas, Arizona, California and Florida. So seven. Okay. So just, just a few here. Some of those are short-term rentals that we abandoned as we moved from state to state. Now you're investing in small commercial properties, like mom and pop type situations. What is it about that that drew you into it? You know, really, it was a process of elimination. So we didn't want to be fixing toilets and having tenants um, that were individuals. So we didn't want multifamily. We didn't want single tenant properties because that increases your risk. If a tenant goes out on a single tenant property, that's it. No income. We didn't want the tenant improvement TI expense that's often associated with office. And so that left us with multi-tenant. And from there, we chose multi-tenant industrial and small neighborhood retail. Um, So what kind of commercial real estate deals do you think are actually working today for you? You, you, you mentioned at the beginning of this that there are no bad markets. There are just bad deals. So give us a little bit of like what you look for in a property, what makes a good investment, all that good stuff. Yes. Our buy box is um, single story, of course, multi-tenant. We want the tenants to be on the smaller side, about 2000 square feet for each tenant is our goal. No tenant occupies more than 30% of the space. We look for properties that don't have too much auto because they're dirty. We look for properties without too much restaurants because they're dirty. (laughs) Um, And so that's kind of what we're, what we're targeting right now. And then we are looking for about a 7% cap rate. Although that really has to go up at this point because of where we are with interest rates. That really is closely tied to your terms of your loan at this point. Can can I ask you a quick clarifying question? When you said that auto uh, places and like restaurants are dirty, do you mean like they're physically dirty and thus the wear and tear is just way worse on these types of spaces? Yes, that's exactly what I mean. So auto tenants seem to come with a lot of environmental issues. They also tend to park a lot of non-functioning cars on the property. And then the restaurants, we can get into this later. It's very relevant to the current deal we're looking at, but same thing. The restaurants, especially if they're frying food and things like that, can really mess up your property. I would also imagine that uh, restaurants and auto repair shops would probably require more tenant improvements. They're going to want you to bring in some money so they can put in a big car jack or um, move the floor plan around. Have you found that to be the case? Cause you mentioned earlier, you're trying to avoid that by avoiding office. Yes, that's exactly correct. I, that's why I would definitely rank the multi-tenant industrial above the multi-tenant retail. They're going to have more TI requests with the multi-tenant industrial 
we don't even have to paint the thing. You know, it's like, it's already a low maintenance space. And then the tenants are also very low maintenance. Like they would never call you if their toilet isn't working. They will just fix it. Which is why like CrossFits never have like an AC in them. Even when it's like a hundred degrees outside, it's like, <laughs> you want me to just fry up in here? Is that, is that the idea? That's why they make the big ass fan. Have you heard of that company? <laughs> the only frying that will be done is going to be at a CrossFit when you're hot, not at a restaurant because Kim does not allow <laughs> frying in any of her units. Yeah. No frying allowed. <laughs> you do bring up a good point though, because investors will often just get greedy for the highest ROI they can get. Or in this space, they'll be looking for like the biggest cap rate that they can get. And you, when you're only looking at those numbers, you don't think about the fact that in order to get that higher cap rate, maybe you got to spend $200,000 to outfit this unit so that your new tenant could come in. And then when their business fails after three years, or they decide that they don't want to lease the place from you anymore, they leave. And now you have to spend money to get rid of the $200,000 you spent and spend more money to fix it up for the next tenant. And so that higher uh, cap rate is being offered in order to entice somebody into where they're actually going to make less money. There's a lot of things in real estate that will take your money. It's more than just the mortgage, the taxes, and the insurance. So I like that you're pointing that out. You're actually looking, in a sense, how to run a lean business here, as opposed to just being greedy and going for the biggest cap rate that you can get. What are you looking at today when you're trying to evaluate these deals? You, you've mentioned that you're, you don't want to get into office space, but is there a cap rate that you're specifically targeting? Uh, is there a unit size you're looking for? What does your buy box look like? You, we're really leading with the numbers. So, you know, you could, you could have an advertised cap rate of seven and a half percent, but when you get into it, it doesn't pencil, you know, they're, they're using pro forma numbers. They don't have a big enough vacancy. So we're really leading with the numbers right now. We targeted multiple markets this last round. We didn't pick a particular market. We're looking for deals that that pencil with the numbers. There is no speculation. We're not looking for a deal that only makes sense with this value add. It only makes sense if you get to these market rents. It only makes sense if you can sell at this cap rate. None of that. You know, we've seen a lot of where that's getting people right now that did have that value add speculation. And so we're looking for deals that pencil right now, cash on cash return of, you know, hopefully 7%. But another comment I want to make is that we are also considering taxes. And I know that a lot of people say, oh, don't do a deal for taxes. Um, and I agree. Never do a bad deal for taxes, right? But you do, that is something that you can consider. So for example, if you're going to be on the hook for, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of taxes and you have a deal this year in, in your hand that is only a 6% cash on cash return, and you think, okay, maybe next year I'll find a deal with a 7% cash on cash return. You need to take into account that you'll have, let's say you had $300,000 tax bill. You'll have $300,000 less to invest next year on that deal if, you know, if you had to pay the taxes. And so do you see what I'm saying? So the return next year has to be much higher in order to make sense. So we do take taxes into account too. So right now we're a little more lenient on a cash on cash return number than we might be next year because we have these taxes to consider. Well, that's that's one thing that I always tell people because it does seem like in general, I mean, this is something that, that David's sort of taught me over the past couple of years, that cash on cash return is really just like one of those metrics, right? It's one of the four big metrics when considering a real estate investment. You got your tax benefits, you got your, your, your debt pay down, your appreciation and cash on cash return. And so on the surface, 
a 7% cash on cash return might feel small to a lot of investors. But when you consider the actual tax benefits of cost segregations, bonus depreciation, accelerated depreciation, all that kind of good stuff, it could really transform the return profile of any given investment. Yes. And also, I'll just point out to add to that, that our 7% cash on cash is that unsexy, no value add speculation number. That doesn't mean that that's where we hope to be in four years or three years or anything like that. But that's like how the deal makes sense now. That's a great point. A lot of people make that mistake too. They just evaluate a deal in year one and they don't look at, well, what is this going to look like in year five, right? Like you could buy something with a, with a value add component or with lease bumps of five or 6% or something every single year. And that measly 6% cash on cash return is now a 17% cash on cash return. And oftentimes when people say, oh, how do you get these big returns? The answer is, well, buy it five years ago. And conversely, don't buy properties that aren't going to be improving over time because you got sucked into, oh, it's an eight instead of a 6% return. That's the best one. And it stays an 8% return for the next 30 years. Um, As we get into this a little bit, um, tell us a little bit about the biggest risks for commercial real estate and real estate at large that you're seeing today, because this is this is one that seems to be shifting quite a bit. Yeah. I mean, I think the risk right now is no one knows what the future is going to hold, you know? And so... We don't know where the, where the interest rates are going. Um, if they go down, hopefully you can get a loan that has no prepayment penalty and refinance. But how do you know when to hit that button? You know, and if they go up and you've gotten a short term loan because you have a high interest rate, now you're in trouble. Um, so there's a lot of risk around where we're headed and how these tenants are going to do. You know, um, our industrial properties did really well during COVID. Um, they did well during recessions, that kind of thing. But uh, multi-tenant retail, I'm not sure how well they will do. It really depends on the market you're in and the nature of the business. You know, If you have a Pilates studio as one of your tenants, do people need Pilates if time gets tough? I don't know. It depends on the people. You know, it depends on... Well, what is the story on the industrial side? Because you said that was a little bit more, I guess, uh, protected during the pandemic. Why is that? Is is it because those services are just always needed? Is it just the types of businesses? Yeah, actually. So the industrial and the neighborhood retail both did really well during the pandemic. Um, so for industrial, yeah, we went through all our like 130 business tenants and we marked which ones were essential. Do you remember that conversation about like essential businesses, especially in Oregon and California? So, oh, you know, and they, yeah. yeah, and they were all essential. So they all kept operating. You know, in fact, I think the only one that had trouble was our CrossFit, but they recovered too because typical CrossFit goer, the pandemic doesn't really bother us that much, you know? Um, so yeah, those, those tenants did really well during COVID. If they had problems, if they said they were going to have a hard time paying rent, we would just send them the paperwork for the PPP government stimulus fund application and tell them, fill this out and let us know once you filled this out. And most of the time they would never respond and just start paying rent again. Now, neighborhood retail actually also did surprisingly well during the pandemic. If you look at reports on retail, you'll see otherwise, but that's because they group the small neighborhood retail in with the largest, re- the larger retail tenants. And those are totally different product types, you know? So your, your liquor store, your CPA, your insurance company, these guys all have to stay in business. And so they did well during the, the pandemic as well. So you mentioned that uh, the industrial side of things maybe are a little bit more padded or I guess more solid businesses to endure tough times. But then you also mentioned on the retail space that maybe like a Pilates studio wouldn't be quite as insulated. Is there a type of tenant 
profile or a type of, yeah, like tenant that you like to take on in those spaces that, that make you feel a little bit safer about making sure that your place is always leased out? The type of tenant is going to be your hyper local tenant. So you want someone that people are driving less than a mile to. I'm okay with nail salons because they're hyper local, you know? Um, so that's the first thing is the type of tenant is going to be a hyper local tenant that's not something that is one of a kind that people have to drive a, a long distance to. And then the market in that case does matter. So if I have a Pilates studio that's in a tertiary market, even if I have an industrial property in a tertiary market, that's going to pose a lot of risk right now. You know, you want something that's infill, which means that it's not out in the sticks. And if you have a Pilates studio, you know, the property we're looking at right now the Pilates studio customers are driving nicer cars than I drive. Of course, there's a real estate joke that, you know, we all drive used Toyotas, but still, they're all driving nicer cars than I drive. So I feel more confident that during a recession, they're going to be okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. And is there any other sort of things that you do to mitigate risk in terms of stabilization of your portfolio or going into a new deal? Yeah. So in terms of our existing portfolio, when we refi, we do not pull out all the equity. So, um, we're not, we're not burying these suckers. Um, we leave a lot of equity in the deal because on one hand, if you pull out all the equity, that's fantastic. You can go reinvest that. So I totally see that point of view. But on the other hand, now you have this high appraised price of your property, right? And if the market dips, now, now you, you might have trouble because your, your debt payment has gone up right? If you pull out all your equity. And so we've refined several of the properties, refinanced several of the properties in our portfolio uh, a year or two ago when rates were great. And we left a bunch in the deal. So our LTV across our portfolio is pretty low. It's like 50, 60%, you know, our loan to value. And um, then same thing with the deals we're doing now. I wouldn't say that this is totally our choice, but the loan to value, we're using pretty low leverage right now, much lower than ever before. I think we have 60% loan to value on this last property. Um, and then of course, if you, if you, um, don't want to do a low leverage, your other option is to try to go for seller financing. So that's a really good option as well. Yeah. There is a method to the madness of actually taking on less debt with commercial property. And it has to do with the financing architecture. So with residential property, you typically get a fixed rate loan for the life of the loan, usually 30 years. You don't have to worry about having to refinance. You get to refinance if rates happen to drop to where it makes sense. But with commercial loans, they're on balloon payment schedules. And so you're going to have to refinance it. So if you have a high loan balance and you got a rate of 3%, that might make sense for you. But what happens if rates jump to 6% or 7% and you're stuck at 80% loan to value? That could be catastrophic. So keeping a lower loan balance on commercial real estate, even when rates are low, is still a smart move and a defensive maneuver because you don't know where rates are going to go. And if they go too high and you have a high loan balance, you can kind of get stuck there. So I think a lot of people hear this with commercial property and they go, that's stupid. Why would you ever do that? Why wouldn't you want to maximize how much money you take out of the deal and buy the next one? It's because the rates aren't fixed. Yeah. They, you always hear them say, it's tax-free. <laughs> it's tax-free debt. And it's like, you you want to keep some of your equity in there. That way, if you ever sold your property, you actually walk away with the with the paycheck. That, that's how I always think about it. But uh, now that we have a, an understanding of what Kim is seeing in the commercial real estate markets, we're going to dive into a deal that she just completed. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. 
How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes, and there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24/7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through rent to retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. I need to double check with Zach, rental retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to rentoretirement.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Podcast. We're sitting with a boots on the ground investor, Kim Hopkins, and talking about all things commercial real estate. We're about to jump into a deal that she is doing right now. So let's take a peek behind the curtain. Kim, where is this deal located? This deal is located in my current hometown of Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, why did you choose this market? We chose this market because we found a deal, Rob. <laughs> we looked, <laughs> nice, I love it. <laughs> we looked in probably about 10 different markets, every deal we could find, and this is where we found one. Good enough for me. What type of commercial real estate is this? This is a neighborhood retail center. And what was the purchase price on the property? The in-contract purchase price is $5.4 million. How many tenants are in this property currently, and are there any vacancies? So that's a great question. It's about 20 tenants in the property. And I would say that we were paying turnkey prices for this property. It was advertised to us as 100% occupied with tenants at market rent, but... As it happens, you know, just as soon as we got into contract, we found out that two tenants were delinquent and one unit was vacant. It seems like they're putting filters on everything these days, even the way that deals are being advertised. Would you say that this was a highly filtered pro forma that you were looking at? Yes, this pro forma was very Instagrammable until you got into the details. Okay, so I want to go back a little bit because we asked you why you found this deal. You said it's because that's where you found the deal. 
But why did you choose this deal specifically? What was it about it that attracted you to it? So uh, first of all, it's in a fantastic location. So it is infill, which means it's not out in the sticks. It is in a very well-to-do, even better than well-to-do, a about-to-be-extremely-affluential area of Phoenix, which is exactly what you want. You see the houses being flipped around it that are, are you know, those big houses on the small lot that are white and black, the trend right now. So tons of houses being flipped around it. It's next to a Dutch Brothers who I feel like is better at picking real estate than we are. Um, and so it's a great location. That was number one. Number two is that it penciled. Always, always, always lead with the numbers, you know? And so the cap rate was reasonable. The performa actually was pretty fair based on what we knew at the time. Um, and so it had a, it had a solid return. So I would say those were the two main reasons. I love that we're still seeing penciled. How long do you think we can get away with that before the next generation wonders, why do we keep saying that things pencil? For as long as we're using pencils, I guess. Because Google sheeted sounds weird. Are they still using them though? It, it AI'd out. It's spreadsheeted. That could come out wrong. All right. Now on this deal, Kim, did you stick to your buy box or was there any creative maneuvering that had to happen? Slightly painful at the moment. So, um, I don't, I think I said it at the beginning, but our buy box includes built on or after 1980. I might've forgotten that, but one of our buy box criteria is built on or after 1980. We made an exception. Uh, we made an exception. This building was built in the late 1970s, but the current owner bought it and added a ton of value. They did a ton of rehab. They redid the roof. They redid all the storefronts. They redid the parking lots. Anyone want to guess what I might be missing in those renovations? Oh, this, <laughs> the toilet, the sewage, the pipes. Wow. You have not seen the things I've seen. Those sewer scope videos look like the worst colonoscopy you've ever seen. You do make a great point, Kim, because a lot of investors just don't think about the fact that after something goes into the toilet, it has to go somewhere and there's a way that it gets from your property into usually the city's lines and you're supposed to put a, a camera through that and see what they look like. So I've seen like tree roots growing into the actual pipes and creating clogs in there and then like some kid flushes a stuffed animal down the toilet and it gets stuck in there and it creates this blockade that can be incredibly expensive to fix especially if you have to drill into the concrete or the asphalt of the parking lot then that's you have to find what part of the pipe that it was at was this a problem with this specific deal for you yeah so we went against one of our deal criteria and the pipes are old you know they have a finite life they're cast iron and they're at the end of their life so that is definitely a problem for us Okay, uh, let me have, I have lots of questions about this, but it's okay. We, we can talk offline about the, the sewer on this. <laughs> oh, go for it. I would love to talk about this deal. I'm hoping this is like secretly a private coaching call because I got, I got questions on whether or not we should move forward. So when, <laughs> so when this happens, is it sort of one of those things where you have to like kick every, cause usually like, let's say in an Airbnb or in a long term rental, if the water turns off, you got to put them up in a hotel or you got to figure it out. But this seems like a pretty massive underground renovation across the entire property. So do you have to like shut down businesses while you make these repairs? Yes, I learned a ton about sewers that I didn't really want to know and still don't. Um, but basically, <laughs> the, the pipes are doing what's called channeling, which is where the bottom of it basically erodes. And so... 
the bottom is the earth. And if you catch it soon enough, you can do what's called pipelining, where you blow epoxy through the pipes and you line it and you basically create PVC pipes inside the old cast iron pipes. And this is fantastic because you can do this in theory without disturbing any of the tenants. On the other hand, it's for this property like a $100,000 expense. So you really want to know that it needs to be done. And I think you can guess if you have someone who's a pipeliner come out to scope your pipes, it's just like having a roof inspector who does roofs. What do you think they're going to say? Right. Uh, yeah, it needs to have heated. been done yesterday. Yeah. And so it's a hard decision of whether or not to wait, because if you wait too long, the pipes can collapse. And then you do, like you said, have to dig through the ground disturb tenants. It's a big problem. Wow. So please tell me, did, were you able to negotiate any kind of concession, the purchase price, credits, anything with the seller? Yeah. So so the two issues, just to recap, are these pipes. And then the other issue is these these delinquent tenants. And you know, usually that's not a big deal. I actually can't remember the last property I bought where there weren't a few delinquent tenants that just magically showed up as soon as we got into contract. The issue here is really we're paying a turnkey price for this property. You know, this does not have the same returns as the property we bought last year. We were told that it was in perfect shape and it was 100% occupied and all the tenants are paying market rent, right? And so that lost income in year 1, you know, that's not something that we should have to eat. Like this was advertised to us as turnkey, not value add. So once you uncovered the uh, backed up colon of the property, how did you use that information <laughs> to go back to the seller and try to negotiate a better position for yourself? Yeah. So um, we asked the seller for a phone call. I would be lying to you if I wasn't scared. But all my uh, friends who are like Cutco salesmen were like, you got to ask for a phone call. You can't do this email garbage. You got to ask for a phone call. You know. So I literally reread Never Split the Difference. And I asked him for a phone call and he said, no. Yeah, Cause he knows that he's had to, he has to make concessions. He's probably scared to negotiate cause he's the one with no power. He did not want to talk with me. And so what we typically do, I don't know if this is what you guys do on your end as well, but what we typically do is send a long email with lots of numbers that explains why we think we deserve this credit. Right. And I just kind of felt that wouldn't hit home enough here, it wouldn't be enough of an impact. So I did something new. I did a presentation, like a, a Google Sheet presentation. And then I did a Loom video walking through the presentation. And so I sent him a link to the Loom video, not even the presentation. So he had to listen to my voice. And I walked through showing exactly what these delinquencies would do to the income for us in the first year. Um, and then I also walked through the cost of the sewer and showed him all the models, showed him the videos that we took of the sewer scope and asked for my credit request. I think that phone call solved like 90% of the problems in real estate, to be honest. I was actually thinking about this last night. Everyone is so dang scared to pick up the phone and actually negotiate like we used to back in the day, back in my day. Uh, and uh, I, I had a situation where I was negotiating back and forth with the realtor who happened to be the wife of the the seller. And I presented a couple of options and then finally he just called me. He's like, all right, what are you trying to do? And I was like, well, in your offer, it doesn't actually cash flow. And I'm trying to, you know, put together a deal that actually cash flows for me. And we actually struck a deal. So uh, very, very good on you because I know it's very nerve wracking to probably talk to a seller. I mean, it's, it's always a nerve wracking experience to like break the realtor barrier, but I think it's so important. Yeah. Well, I tried. I ended up sending the Loom video instead, but I tried for a phone call and I think the Loom video was second best. And so what happened? Did he, did he say yes? <laughs> did he, did he give you the money back? So he sat on it for a week and a half 
And we finally followed up with him while we were on vacation. And he, uh, he said, no, he said that he thought that he could, he could fix the delinquencies himself. He didn't think that the sewer was a big issue. Um, and so he said he wouldn't offer us any credit. So we ended up pulling out of the deal. Were you guys, were you close to saying like, yeah, let's just do it anyways? Or was it a kind of like, a, were you resolute on it from the get go? Well, that's not exactly where the story ends. So we pulled out of the deal. We got back our earnest money. We told the lender all the things completely done off to moving the elf around the house and Christmas shopping, you know, the important things this time of year. Um, we pulled out of the deal. And then two days ago, actually, the broker called us, the seller's broker. And he said that he was willing to offer a $100,000 credit. I didn't say initially, but we asked for $350,000 off. $350,000 off or $350,000 credit? Um, $350,000 off the purchase price is what we asked for. So fast forward to today, you get a phone call from the broker and they say, hey, the, the seller wants back in. He's going to give you $100,000 off the purchase price. Great. Okay. And then? So we said, thank you very much, but call us back if it's 200. And has he called you back? Has he called you back? So called an hour ago and it's up to 130. Okay. Hey, that's progress. Is this the final number? Like, like I'm just like, it keeps changing. Well, I mean, we could call him on speaker right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a first on in bigger pockets history. I would love that actually. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my 9-to-5 job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whenever I used to travel, I would get that creeping feeling that I locked my back door. How do I know my property is going to be safe while I'm away? But not anymore, thanks to Simply Safe Home Security. I'm about to go on a three-week trip to Copenhagen, but am I tripping about my trip? Nope. With award-winning security and peace of mind from Simply Safe, I don't need to worry. Simply Safe is a super amazing alarm system that I actually installed in my house myself personally in less than 30 minutes. And there's so much peace of mind knowing that there's something in place to protect my homes, my goods, and my John Mayer shrine. Simply Safe systems have high-tech sensors that detect break-ins, fires, and floods, indoor and outdoor cameras to keep watch night and day, 24-7 professional monitoring at less than $1 a day. Plus, Simply Safe professional monitoring agents can even help stop crime in real time by speaking to intruders through the wireless indoor camera. Hey, hey, bud, get out of here. It's like that, but it's a lot better, I imagine. And if you buy the system and you don't love it, you can get a full refund with Simply Safe's 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind, and I want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/pockets. There's no safe like Simply Safe. You might think you want real estate, but that's not true. What you really want is passive income. 
With new investors struggling to find deals or get enough money to buy them and veteran landlords tired of the constant tenant phone calls, is there a better alternative? Actually, there is. Short notes from Connect Invest. Connect Invest is an online investing platform that allows you to easily participate in passive real estate investing, and all you need is $500 to start. Short Notes collectively funds a diversified portfolio of commercial and residential real estate projects across acquisition, construction, and development phases. You'll earn a fixed monthly income without the hassle of owning or managing real estate. Head to connectinvest.com BP to create your account. Fund your digital wallet with at least $500. Select from 6, 12, and 24-month short notes with annualized return rates up to 9%. Then sit back and let your monthly returns roll in. Join today by visiting connectinvest.com VP. Connectinvest.com VP. Listen up, business owners, because I've got some quick little math for you. Fewer costs equal more profit. The problem? You're spending more than ever on operations, materials, deliveries, software, and more. So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. NetSuite.com slash BiggerPockets. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, America's largest direct-to-investor alternative asset manager, you have the opportunity to. Fundrise's new opportunistic private credit strategy was designed specifically for this new market environment. Fundrise supplies high-demand bridge financing on high-quality assets with credit-worthy borrowers. Top real estate investors get the funding they need while you walk away getting paid a healthy interest rate. To date, Fundrise has completed more than $500 million worth of private credit deals with an average net interest of 10.8%, and they've already amassed a pipeline worth more than $300 million. Don't sit on the sidelines. You can take advantage of this unique window of opportunity while it lasts with Fundrise's new private credit strategy. Ready to start? Go to Fundrise.com pockets to learn more. That's F-U-N-D-R-I-S-E dot com slash pockets. This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss. But, um, okay. Okay, so 130. So what? where are you at? What do you want for this? I'm on the fence, to be honest with you. Even though we're interviewing you, can we talk you through this? Yes, I would love that. Send me the bill later. Because I feel like we're, we're in the middle of the negotiation. We're not hearing about a deal that was done for like five years ago. Here's what my thoughts are. If rates drop or stay lower, the seller's going to feel like I don't have to give her money. I'm going to get another buyer. But if you see another rate bump, what someone's going to be willing to pay for that property is going to change because now all the numbers that you put into the Excel sheet change. And that means that he's going to be more likely to come back and say, okay, you can have your 200,000. But at that that point, you don't have the rate that you wanted. So it's probably going to be even more. Has that been communicated through the brokers? Like, hey, let the guy know that we'll buy it 
for a $200,000 discount at this rate. But if rates go up, he's either going to have to pay for me to get a lower rate or it's going to be a bigger discount later. Yeah. So our rate is locked. And one of our contingencies is that we close before the end of the year because we want to take advantage of the tax write-off that I was talking about earlier. But we have made the point to him. 80%. Yeah. We have made the point to him that if rates go up, he's going to have a hard time finding another buyer. I think he's having a hard time finding the buyer now. I mean, he called you, right? If he called you and he's trying to strike this up again, you're probably it. Yeah. I I think the issue here, I've kind of realized, is we are looking at two different properties. So the seller is looking at a property that he bought at a great price. This property was in you know, bad shape. It was seriously in need of love. The, The property was practically vacant. You know, it was dilapidated, all those things. And so he's looking at this property that he bought at a great price. He also owns it in cash. So a lot less risk there. And so his point of view is, what's your problem? There's a couple vacancies. It's part of doing business. You just fill it. Who cares if it's $20,000 in TI to rehab this unit? Big deal, you know, because he's sitting on a gravy train. But us, we're looking at this property where We paid kind of a premium price. The returns weren't great to begin with, but we were okay with it because it did meet the basic fundamentals. It wasn't great returns, but basic fundamentals fixes our tax problem. And we were thinking we were being handed something that was very low maintenance. Now we're sitting somewhere where we're going to rush to close on this deal before the end of the year. You know, and honestly, that's a big factor for us. Like we are interested in our quality of life. You know, we're about what's your hourly rate, not how much do you make per year. And, you know, it's a lot of work right now. So we're going to close in the middle of the holidays on this property. And then we're going to inherit all these problems. You know, here's my thought. And um, David, you can tell me if you disagree. I think he's going to go up a little bit more than that 130, just based on where you were at and the fact that they called you. But I don't think you should take that hundred and let's say fifty if that's where you end up and subtract it off the purchase price because I don't think that's going to be significant in your overall monthly mortgage. I think what will be significant for you out the gate is getting a hundred and fifty thousand dollar credit so long as that works out with the the banking and there's a limit to your credits and David, you can chime in on this, but I would take that as a credit so that you can save that money in your down payment and use that to pay for that giant expense. And then at that point, you're 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 now looking at the deal that you were analyzing initially. That's that's how I'd approach it. What do you think, David? Commercial financing may not allow that to happen the same. Like with residential financing, because you're dealing with conforming loans, the rules are pretty clear of how much a seller can contribute to a buyer's closing costs. It might not work the same in the commercial space. When they take it off the purchase price, you you're it doesn't really affect a whole lot. You just borrow a little bit less money. Well, we're keeping our loan amount the same. So we would be saving that money as cash in the bank. We would be putting... If if he gives us a $200,000 credit or off the purchase price, we're going to be paying $200,000 less. Yeah. So it would be the same in your position. What if he goes in and makes the changes for you? Um, I'd be very interested in that. If he wants to deal with the sewer, the question is, you know, can he do that post-close? Do we trust him? You know, It gets a little dicey because there are sellers who won't take that risk because the deal could always fall through. Case in point, this deal already fell through for that reason. And then you could always have some kind of contract that, you know, makes him do it afterwards, but that always is a, is a, is a risk in and of itself. So it's kind of a hard one either way. 
Yeah. And I, I feel like I want to make sure I actually listen to the principles we talked about earlier in the show. You know, I want to make sure I'm not speculating on getting tenants to market rent. And another issue is that we actually were planning to self-manage this property since it's in our hometown. And do we want that headache? You know, do we want to take that on? We're going to do the leasing as well. And just uncertainty with where the market's headed. Are we worried about the Pilates tenant? You know, are we worried about these tenants that are delinquent? Will we be able to relet the space? So I'm getting cold feet. I don't know that you're wrong. I think in this position with the way the market's headed, it is more likely that things are going to soften in the commercial space than get tight. So you've got that on your side. And maybe Phoenix has been isolated from this a little bit. And so the seller doesn't realize that there's going to be a lot of commercial properties that are going to start hitting the market with much more competitive prices than what we have seen because rates are so high. And as these balloon payments start coming due, refinancing will not be an option. And a lot of these properties were something that people put money in together to buy. So they have to sell it to pay back their investors. I think we're going to see more inventory hitting the market now than what we have before. And so time's on your side to find the deal. Time's not on your side for the tax part. So that's really what you have to weigh. Is it worth taking the hit on taxes to buy the better deal or not? But uh, I really appreciate you sharing the details of this story because this is real life real estate. This is exactly what happens. I was told this and then it turned out to be that. And then I said this and then they said that. And the story is always changing. Here's what I would say. I think I would move forward so long as I could get assurances that the owner was going to fix it beforehand or immediately after closing. Interesting. I like that idea. Because to me, it's the same. If he's going to pay for it right through this concession, through this credit, however you want to slice it up, then it's effectively the same deal. You just have to make sure that the repair gets made. Interesting. Yeah. And usually we look for what we say. We, we usually look for problems that go away with the seller. You know, so give me a, an income statement that's written on a napkin all day long. I have no problem with problems that go away with the seller, but these are all problems that don't go away with the seller. They stick with us as soon as we close. So that's, that's our hesitation. Well, I think you're doing the right thing. Stick to your guns. If, if you have to take the hit on your taxes and that makes more sense than buying the property, do it. But I'd also look at if I was in your position, if I have to pay 70 grand more than what I wanted, would the tax benefit overall make up for that 70 grand? So even though the deal might not be what you wanted, big picture, this does make more sense. And if that's the case, then you just ask yourself, like, let's say your tax benefit was 40 grand, but you're going to have to, you know, you're 70 grand apart from where you want to be. So you feel like you're 30 grand in the hole. Is this property in such a great location and such a great asset that that 30 grand is worth it? Or with your experience and your knowledge and what you do, Kim, could you just go find a better deal that you could make that money back somewhere else? All right, everyone. If you want to hear an update on this story and follow along in the process, be sure to follow Kim on all of her social medias. Kim, where can people find you and get the juicy update and conclusion to the saga? Yeah. So to learn more about what we do and get on our list for updates and opportunities, they can go to our website, which is ironpeakproperties.com. Follow me on LinkedIn under Kim Hopkins. And then lastly, on Instagram as money plus happy. And hey, maybe we should put this to a vote. You know, if you guys hear this, go ahead and weigh in on what you think we should do with this deal. All right. Comment in the YouTube uh, comments. If you're watching this on YouTube, let us know what you think. All right, Kim, it's been great having you here. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. I'm sitting on pins and needles myself waiting to hear how how this story plays out. So I'll be curious to hear myself, but we'll let you get out of here for today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks so much for having me guys. This is David Green for Rob shipped his pants from Coles Abasolo signing up.
The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.